Welcome to another episode of the Nishan Garg show with Karen Rockhind. My name is Nishan Garg. This show is about extracting information on mindfulness and personal development. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. Dalai Lama said, people take different roads seeking fulfillment and happiness. Just because they are not on your road doesn't mean they have gotten lost. Karen is a positive psychology expert. powerful motivational speaker and caring coach who empowers people to pursue their dreams and bring their best selves to work and life she helps people find meaning and inspiration in their work so that they maximize potential after 15 years in corporate marketing karen became tired of seeing people shuffle through their days and lives she knew she could empower people to thrive so she traded in her suits to pursue her passion of inspiring people to live and work with purpose today she works with companies like amazon capital one and many more to teach employees to flourish and organizations to thrive she is also the founder of women's global happiness day so let the episode begin Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Me. You are a positive psychology expert, powerful motivational speaker, and caring coach who empowers people to pursue their dreams and bring their best selves to work and life. You have been called as happiness guru. You have been a columnist for Live Happy magazine. You are an Amazon best-selling author for your contribution in Pebbles in the Pond, Wave 3. How did you get here? Yeah, such a good question. <laughs> I like to tell the story from kind of a very beginning. I was that little girl that wanted to be perfect <laughs> and I chased, you know, all A's, student government, cheerleading, and when I looked at what it meant to be perfect and to be happy later in life, it meant get married, find a tall, dark, handsome, you know, lawyer or doctor, right? For my like please Jewish parents, you know, and have a house and have a dog and that whole thing, a career and you will be happy. And so I did that at 22 years old. I married a 6 foot 2, dark-haired, green-eyed lawyer. We had a huge house uh in the suburbs. By the time I was 24, we had a golden retriever. We made Thanksgiving dinner like you get the picture. It was perfect. And yeah, for some reason, Nishan, almost every day I would cry. I just felt so empty inside and my husband would say to me what's wrong with you and I would just say I'm just not happy and he would say we are happy we have everything that we wanted we have beer in the fridge we have football tickets <laughs> like we have everything <laughs> and I really thought something was wrong with me and I started doing a lot of personal work and realized there was nothing wrong with me I just didn't know who I was and what I really wanted and what would make me happy And the thing that kept coming to me was the word purpose that I felt like I was here for something. And so we ended up getting divorced when I was 26, right? While all my other friends were getting married. And that's when I began my journey to figure out what was happiness and what was purpose for me. And I started following different things that sparked my heart. I became an advisor to teenage girls in a youth group. and i found this real love and passion for empowering these young people to know their superpowers and feel awesome and confident in themselves and go for their dreams and i started also kind of doing the same online with other young divorced women and my whole life became about empowerment i thought oh this is what i want i feel so great i feel so alive i feel so purposeful but i couldn't figure out how to turn it into a career this is before i knew anything about coaching this is before there was podcasting before <laughs> any youtube or anything and i couldn't figure out the path and so i ended up just giving up and i actually had an agent review a book proposal of mine and he said you're a great writer but i can't produce this and so i just felt so rejected and said forget it i don't need it and 8 years went by and in those 8 years i became severely depressed i was taking more and more and more antidepressants and one day my psychiatrist said to me karen you don't need more medication you have all these dreams that are in your heart and you have never pursued one <laughs> It was such a defining moment and so I decided all right I'm going to start pursuing my dreams one by one and I did things like travel to Paris for a month and say to my boss hey I need a mental health break and I could come back in a month or not and he said see you in a month and I ran a marathon and all these kinds of things um and I hadn't yet pursued this career 
until one day I was walking home alone after a blind date, a bad blind date. It was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm living in Cleveland, Ohio at the time. And I go to put my key in the condominium door. And all of a sudden I felt hot breath on my neck. And I turned around and I am suddenly nose to nose with a very young man who had these huge black eyes. And I asked him, are, are you going inside? I thought maybe he has a friend or an aunt who lives in the building. And he looks into my eyes and then he looks down at my stomach and he pulls a gun and I scream and I fall to the floor. And now the gun is pointed at my left temple. It's pointed at my head. And I am thinking, this is it. This is the end of my life. And thank you, God. It's been a good life. Tell my parents. And then all of a sudden, Nishant, this other voice, like very strong and calm said to me, oh no, you were put on this earth for purpose and people need you. And so I made myself a promise. I said, if I live, I promise I will pursue my purpose. And exactly in that moment, the man took my purse and he ran. And so I lived and I realized in that moment that the worst feeling in the world is if you're going to die and you still have dreams in your heart. That I believe is the worst. It's worse than any fear of failure, any fear of rejection, any fear of not having any money, any fear, like for me, at least that is the worst. And we now actually know from the research, a research study was done with people in their 70s and 80s and asked, when you look back, what do you most regret? And what they most regretted was what they hadn't done, the dreams they hadn't followed. And so soon thereafter, I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. It was, I made myself a promise. And I decided I wanted to get an education in how do I inspire and empower people. And I found positive psychology, which is a whole new field. Uh, it's the scientific study of happiness and human flourishing. And that there was a master's program in it at the University of Pennsylvania, which cracked me up. I could get a degree, a master's degree in happiness from an Ivy League university. Like, what? <laughs> and I applied and I got in. And that's when I decided I left my six-figure vice president job and I moved across the country and became a poor graduate student at 36 years old. Wow. And then what I started doing was really focusing in on my area of expertise in coaching and supporting people, which is around purpose and really knowing what your purpose is and living it and overcoming fears and using mindset and optimism for that. And I have a real affinity toward, I have a real gift and affinity toward coaching women because I am one and because I think of those girls. I still though speak at companies all over the world to both men and women. You know, I was just the keynote speaker at Amazon's International Women's Day Conference and for Capital One, Progressive. And really it comes down to knowing our true purpose and knowing why we're here and being so true to our heart and soul and our dreams and going for it. And so from there, I, I built a coaching practice. I built the speaking practice. I built my podcast, the Purpose Girl podcast. And it's been a lot of ups and downs. So we can talk about that if you want to, but here yeah. I am. Speaking of purpose. Yes. And everybody has it. And yes. unfortunately, not everybody is able to figure out their purpose. Sometimes it feels scary to identify that purpose because mm -hmm. it keeps evolving I think mm -hmm. over the period of time. How would you help somebody in knowing their innate purpose if they are feeling stuck, they do not know how to move forward? Yeah, it's such a good question. First of all, I think some of the issue is how we've been defining purpose. So a research study was done, I think this is back in 2014, where almost a thousand people surveyed. The, over 90% of them said that they wanted purpose in their life. And of those people who wanted purpose, a vast majority of them felt anxiety around it. <laughs> what is my purpose? You know, so anxiety producing. I can find it. It's not in my purse. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> where is it? You know? Yeah. And it's like, we're, we're searching and we're searching and we're searching. And if you think about what happens when you lose your keys or like once I lost my car in the parking lot at Christmas, you know, like you do not want to lose your car in a parking lot of a mall at Christmas. And so <laughs> it's so stressful, you know, and like it builds up like, oh, where is it? Where is it? I can't find it. And in that state of mind, you can't find your purpose. And I think part of it is the definition. So I have what I call purpose myths. And one of them is that purpose is not any one noun. I call it my theory of the nouns. That thinking of purpose as a job title, like is my purpose to be a teacher? Is my purpose to be a therapist? Is my purpose to be an architect? That's a mission. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a goal. It's a role is how I see it. And the truth is, this is a different, we're a different generation than generations ago. We don't want just one role in life. We like to play many roles. 
and we may shift roles. And as you said, it evolves. And so I think if we think of purpose as this one role I'm supposed to play, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Yes, all the time. It happens all the time. And it happened to me two years ago when somebody asked me, what's my purpose? Making millions of dollars in the corporate, doing this thing and that. So when I was doing that, that feeling, internal feeling was coming. I'm kind of boxing myself. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you just nailed it, you know, Nishant, because the other thing that we, a myth, we confuse purpose with goals. And if we think about how society raised us, Western society, at least, we were raised to believe that if you just get a good paying job, if you just make more money, if you just get a bigger title, if you just get the right partner, you will be happy. (laughs) And my life is a great example that that is not necessarily true. And we know now there have been hundreds of research studies that show that it's not that quote unquote traditional success makes people happy. Rather, happier people have more success. And if we actually look at Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Abraham Maslow, one of the most famous psychologists to ever live, And he offered, decades ago, he offered to us that humans have base needs that motivate them. Base need of psychological... Yeah, so the base need is physiological well-being. We need food, we need water, we need air to breathe. We move up into psychological well-being, roof over our head, ability to feel safe. We move up, we have a relational well-being, you know, love and feeling connection. Well, the fourth highest need he identified was achievement or success. We have a need for goals, for achievement. That fills us. It makes us feel good. But there was a higher need that he identified beyond achievement. And that higher need was self-actualization. It was contributing of yourself to something larger. It was making an impact, making a difference, knowing who you are. And so can, it we, ma- can we say that self-actualization is connected to our spiritual needs? Yes. In fact, he actually was working when he passed away, he was working on something that would have said even beyond self-actualization, transcendence, but that work wasn't ever completed. So we can think of self-actualization as connecting to that something larger, that spiritual needs, or you might even say, well, there, there's an even higher level of transcendence, right? That right. connection. So what I believe is that we as a society, we were taught to just go for that fourth level, achievement. Well, look around. In general, people have achieved and overachieved, right? I look at baby boomers and they had a whole career and, but they end up, you know, many, a woman emailed me today, she's 64 years old and said, I'm retiring from my old career, but I still want purpose, (laughs) you know, because she has Mm -hmm. a good 20, 30 years left. Then we've got Gen Xers like me, you know, 40s and 50s saying, I did what I was supposed to do. I followed that achievement and it didn't feel very good. I want to do something meaningful. And we've got, and Gen Y is pretty much in that boat too. And then we've got, you know, millennials who are saying, oh, I want meaning now. And so there's this, you know, looking at people really want, I think we all want this higher sense of um, knowing who we are. Satisfaction, deep satisfaction. So when you ask, how do we figure out a purpose? Well, one is kind of looking at where has it gotten screwed up? It is not any one job title or role. It's not a noun. I like to think of purpose as a verb or a series of verbs. Your purpose is to inspire, to teach, or to build, or to create, to help, to support, to, it's to make a difference, a contribution in some way. And you can have multiple verbs. And then those verbs, like my purpose is to inspire, encourage, and empower people to live their purpose. And inspiration comes from within. It doesn't come from outside. And that's when the purpose needs to come from inside. It's not attached to something outside. It's not attached to money, success, or, or yes. a job, or any any house, any big house. It's connected exactly. to our inner being. Exactly. And this is another purpose myth, is that we think we have to find our purpose. Well, I teach people instead to use the language, I'm going to uncover or discover my purpose which makes means that it's inside and it's just been covered up by other people's expectations, what society has told you. Conditioning, beliefs. Conditioning, beliefs. And that how do we uncover our purpose as we really step back and start getting curious about ourselves? No more finding. Finding makes you stressed. Yeah, <laughs> curiosity, is- yeah, right? But curiosity is this inward process that the research shows actually makes us happy. Curiosity sounds like this, like, hmm, when have I felt lit up in my life? Hmm. What does inspire me? Hmm. What have I been interested in? Hmm. You know, when I'm 80, what do I want to say about myself? It's a different approach. 
And when we do so from a place of positivity and curiosity, we're much more likely to get clarity about who we are and the ways that we want to make a difference in the world. And I think being positive is a great skill set. I think I always say that this is a skill set. We can mm. develop this. If mm-hmm. we are neg- negative all the time, we can have this skill set to be positive with ourselves and to be positive with others. But I think toxic, it can be toxic if we are too much positive and not accepting and embracing our failures. Mm-hmm. It can be mm-hmm. too toxic. So we get to be accepting of the circumstances and being responsible for that. Yeah, of our wholeness. You know, one of the things that I really try to impress upon my coaching clients or when I'm giving a talk is that every moment of your life has been for purpose. There are no even quote unquote mistakes. Like I I make mistakes all the time. I fail all the time. But when we can look at each one and say, well, did it give me strength? Did it give me courage? Did it show me something? Did it teach me something? And when we can really then learn with gratitude, all of that, and that's not easy. None of you know, it's not not easy easy. to do. And there is such a benefit of it. And we also need to get real. It's okay that we have some shadows, that we have some weaknesses. That's being human. And we develop those or we have those in order to let some of our other strengths shine. And so it's not being happy, happy all the time. It's really getting curious about when you're lit up. The other thing I really focus on with people is how to shift their pain into purpose. That for many people, the most traumatic, challenging moments of their life happened for purpose. How how can somebody stay in purpose when they're going through painful moments? And I, I see it, I hear it all the time. How can we be happy? How can we be purposeful when we are going through so much shit in our life? Yeah, such a good question. You may not be happy, right? This isn't about being happy and you may not find the purpose in the moment. I'll give you an example. I am now pregnant and it took five years to get here. Five years, two miscarriages and an entire year of fertility treatments none of which were happy, (laughs) all of which I was teaching happiness, right? I would go on the radio, Sirius XM radio on one of their shows used to call me their happiness guru. I laugh every time like you introduced me as that because they called me, (laughs) you know, I didn't call myself that, but I would, you know, or I would show up to Progressive Insurance or Capital One and I would teach happiness and I was going through this very painful thing. And so I'll just give the example of that my second miscarriage. When my second miscarriage happened, I was 43 years old. I was sure I would never be able to get pregnant again. And I became so distraught, so devastated, so depressed. I actually said to my husband, I don't want to live anymore. And so I then had to use all of my tools. One of my tools is sisterhood, right? And for some, whether you call it brotherhood, sisterhood, or just community support, having at least one person that you can be your whole self with, you can cry, you can lean on, you can be there. I leaned on anyone that listened. And what I found was so many people wanted to hold me and help me through that. So I wasn't happy dappy all the time. I leaned in and let myself feel it too. I would allow myself my anger and grief. I learned a tool. One of my mentors, Regina Thomas Hour, she calls it swamping. And you actually dance out your grief or dance out your anger. Another one of my mentors, Christina Rilo, taught me to take a bat into the woods and go beat the heck out of an already dead tree. Ask it in advance. Is it okay? (laughs) Um, And if the answer is yes, but I would punch pillows. I would get my feelings out in really healthy ways. Meditating. One of the great practices to really feel anger, resentment, Mm -hmm. whatever we are going through. But we don't have to live in that feeling. No. In fact, I I find that when we live in it, we hold it in. And that then leads to physical ailments. It leads to even more anxiety, at least for me. It leads to more frustration, more resentment. And since learning these tools and being given permission to get it out of my body and work with it in a really healthy way, it's been a life changer for me. I used a tool of meditation. I would meditate almost every day. And... A lot of my meditation, I would breathe in and breathe out to Sarah Blondin, who has a beautiful meditation on Insight Timer that says, I love you and I am listening. And so I would say that to myself. And then in meditation, I kept asking, show me, show me what this is for. Show me what else I'm here to birth. And one day I got a vision of women gathering all over a globe. I literally saw a globe and women all over that globe who were also depressed like me or who also wanted to thrive like me and needed positive psychology tools. And I said, oh my God, I have to bring this to life. And I created something called Women's Global Happiness Day, which we've had two consecutive years of Women's Global Happiness Day. It's one day for women to gather in small groups all over the world 
to have that sisterhood and to learn positive psychology tools. And so far in those two years, we've had almost 200 events in more than 30 countries on six continents impacting thousands of women. And I do it. I don't make money on it. I just run this to do it. And it was turning. Women's Global Happiness Day is on the anniversary of that miscarriage. And so it allowed me to turn that pain into tremendous purpose that had I not gone through that miscarriage, Women's Global Happiness Day wouldn't exist. And so a lot of what I'll teach clients is that a lot of their past pain and trauma that they might be sitting in from childhood or from a younger time, every single one of those experiences has either given them courage or strength or wisdom that someone else in the world needs. And when you can shift that narrative to this happened for me, so that I can live on purpose, it's incredibly powerful. And think about any great TED Talk, someone is tells you that they went through a terrible time and because they went through a terrible time, they now have this message for the world. And so that is a huge way that we can get through pain and through trauma. And there's actually a term for it. Two researchers, Calhoun and Tedeschi, call it post-traumatic growth. When you actually take a traumatic and a difficult experience and you find positive meaning, you find new possibilities for your life or new appreciation for your life, better relationships come because you had the trauma. And Dalai Lama mentions that every suffering, every pain is an opportunity for growth. Listen to that suffering. It is an invitation to grow from that. And Thiknathan, a Buddhist monk, Mm-hmm. It's saying there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. I use this quote in almost all of the podcast. And because mm-hmm. we talk about happiness in almost every conversation, mm-hmm. we all want to be happy. We all want to have more and more. So what do you think is getting in the way to becoming happy? In, in a common man life? Yeah, good question. Well, first, I think we don't know what happiness is. We've been told that it's all the things that you said earlier, success and millions of dollars. And, yeah. and so like you said, we're looking outside. And I think often we're afraid to get still and look inside. I see in myself and other people and my coaching clients that people are afraid to find out what's really inside, that maybe what they really want is to be single when they're married, or maybe what they really want is to travel and be free and not necessarily have the particular lifestyle they have. Or, and a huge thing is how much self-hatred there is. Our world, we have grown up in a world that taught us to hate ourselves and to not believe that we are beautiful, not believe that we are capable, that we need to do more and get more and be more. And all of that self-talk is getting in the way of us having the thing we want most, which is happiness, right? And so that self-talk, we know from researcher Kristen Neff, we do that kind of self-loathing talk because we think it's going to motivate us to be better, which why do we want to be better and have more? Because we want to be happy. But we actually know from the research that self-compassion and self-love works more, works better. And so that's a huge shift. Yeah. Before we give love to others, we get to love ourselves first. Self-love. Do you think there is a very thin line between self-love and narcissism? You know, it's such a good question. And I think it's different. Self-love is self-compassion. It's being kind to yourself when you do make a mistake or when you said something you didn't mean to, to a loved one or in a meeting. It's being compassionate with yourself if you get rejected. Self-love is being self-respectful, right? Really treating your body with respect. Self-love is trusting your intuition, your inner knowing. Self-love is self-expression, expressing your creativity. And narcissism and I am not an expert in narcissism, nor am I a licensed therapist. But narcissism is, actually, let me back up. Self-compassion has an element of common humanity to it. Self-love has an element of common humanity to it and says, we are all human. I'm doing the best I can. I acknowledge myself and others in the shared experience of humanity. And we are all wonderful and we are all fabulous. We all have strengths. We all have gifts to share. We all have something to contribute. And that's self-love. Narcissism, as I understand it, you take out the other component and it's just, I'm the best, I'm better than you, I'm better than you. And the only reason someone needs to do that is if they actually feel inadequate and they feel less Insecurity, because we are comparing ourselves with another person and there is a huge element of insecurity in this narcissism. Yes. Self-love, I think, strongly feel that. We are not, some people may not have self-love because there is some deep issues in them. They are not able to forgive themselves or Mm. forgive others they are living in that resentment mode that whatever happened to me was not good 
Mm-hmm. How can I love myself? Mm-hmm. Forgiveness can play a big role in getting to self-love and being kind to ourselves. Yeah, things are going to be shitty a lot of times. It's not going to be easy no. when we want. to pursue our dreams towards our purpose things are going to fall apart most of the time it's not going to work most <laughs> so of well the time said. It, it will fail and this when we can practice being kind to ourselves practicing mm-hmm. self compassion it's okay we failed if we failed we are not a failure we right. fail at that thing not being identified and attached to that failure exactly exactly the thing failed and and so often because of how we've all learned to grow up we're so afraid i am very afraid of failure you know since i had Me the too. perfect i had the perfect gene it sounded like you did too right when you were a little kid and th- i remember the first time i put out a group program you know in this career and i did those 8 years of me not being you know between i figured out and really knew what i'm here for on earth as to inspire and empower people and until i actually went to grad school and did it those 8 years i was so afraid of failing at because of the old perfection thing. And so the first time I put out a group program, no one signed up. Zero. <laughs> I was so humiliated. I went back to my bed. I was living in a small studio apartment in, you know, East Village of Manhattan, and I just threw my covers over my head. I cried and I cried. I was humiliated. I was like, I'm never coming out. I'm not doing this. I'm going to give up. <laughs> this is it. And, and that's if, when people give up when right, they don't that, at the beginning. Exactly, that's when people give up and after a couple of days of crying and feeling like such a loser, I had to kind of dust myself off and ask myself why am I doing this? Like what is my purpose? And this is what I love about purpose so much because it's bigger than me. This wasn't about me. This is about me really believing that I have a message and I have wisdom that helps people, that will move people. And so I was like, "No, we are going to keep going because this is bigger than you ego this is bigger and so i went about my business i did more individual coaching and then when i went to run my second group program you know how many people signed up nishant how many zero again i had a big fat zero <laughs> i was so <laughs> humiliated again and i was like no my god i'm such a loser and went through the whole process again but then i came back to purpose and the third time i launched a group program three people joined and i just loved on those three people i just gave them all i had You know, and now I'm blessed to be able to, you know, serve lots, dozens, hundreds, thousands of people every year. We just I, cannot give up when we have that failure. I had a I have a similar story actually. Last year I started running masterminds in a coffee shop. Mm. Early last year and initially number was 0000000. Right, right, and right. It was devastating. I was putting in so much effort in learning, then I was reminding myself, this is not about me. This is for somebody else and yes. in that process of creating mastermind i'm learning new skills i'm learning new mm. uh, so many things about from books and the preparation is challenging in that challenging process i'm learning new things even if nobody is showing up right now it doesn't mean that it won't work in the future so that preparation was helping me to be a better person for the future yeah. yes and when it is zero and one time there there was one instance when i was about to leave the coffee shop There was one woman. She came. Are you the Nishant? Are you Nishant who is doing this master? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was about to leave. Nobody showed up. Then I'm leaving, and she, she, so sometimes you know you, there is this coincidence. There is no coincidence in the universe. Everything is interconnected in this cosmos. Everything is connected, and I love that you stayed at it. And then she came. and i love that each time you sat there you learned something you know what what is this to learn and i've realized that a lot of my failures the big learning or the, the big takeaway or the reason that they happened for me is to be able to help others live their purpose so that all my clients know hey if no one signs up the first time it's okay no one signed up for karen's program either or hey if you do a broadcast and you share your heart and no one listens or likes it on facebook it's okay <laughs> because it happened to karen too like it's I I really believe a lot of those quote unquote failures. Yeah, I learned a lot about different ways of doing things, but it also allows us to really share with people and create this common sense of humanity that we're not alone. And yeah, it's tough, but we're in it together. And we are not alone and showing up matters, writing yeah, big time. a blog post, sharing your story on social media. People don't do it because of perfectionism. It's not about you, it's about others. Yeah, right. Right, it's getting out of our own ego mind, getting out of our own way, and even if it impacts one person, 
you know, I have a wonderful story. One of my groups, I run a couple of groups every year and I do individual coaching as well. And one of my groups is called Empowered and it's for women to really step into their most empowered, courageous, purposeful self. And a woman joined the program. She was 69 years old. And she said to me, what am I doing joining a program like this? You know, like I'm retiring. Why am I doing this? But she was called to it. So she said, yes. And we were at a retreat. We were all in a circle. And she shared her story that she had been in an abusive marriage for 20 years, physically abusive, and she had a daughter with special needs who she did end up leaving the abusive marriage and then raising her daughter with special needs on her own until her daughter was 47 and was able to move into a home on her own. And across the circle from her was a woman in her 30s. And the woman in her 30s started crying and shaking a little. And she shared with the group, I'm being abused right now. And because the more mature woman, the wise woman shared her story. Months later, the younger woman left her marriage. It's a ripple effect. Yes. And so, you know, this younger woman, she found the courage. She took the mentorship from the older woman and she got a job and she took her kids and got out of that situation. And what's so powerful is that we impact one person. That is making the ripple, as you said, because now her children don't have to grow up in an abusive environment and how they will learn differently, and it will ripple from there. It's changing the trajectory for generations to come. So sharing our story, that is purpose, right? To share, to help. When we help. share our story, we can instill confidence in people who are struggling with low confidence. Yeah, 100%. So achieving from pain to purpose requires a lot of courage and confidence. Sometimes we have purpose. We know where we want to head out. But Mm. this confidence thing is holding us back. We are not feeling confident inside us. We are not believing in ourselves. We know what to do, but we don't believe in ourselves. That belief factor is holding us back. How can we cultivate more confidence in our lives? Such a great question. I think it's the thing that holds people back the most from purpose, the self-doubt, the insecurity, all of that, the lack of confidence. Confidence absolutely has to come from within. We have to know what our strengths are. We have to know what our superpowers are. We have to know and remind ourselves every single day of who we are and the ways that we impact the world. I I do mindset work every day where in my journal, I write, I am proud of, and I'll find the moments from the day before that I'm proud of. Or I'll even write, I brag and brag to myself. (laughs) I have different groups of girlfriends that we brag to each other. Why? To build that muscle of saying, hey, I did something awesome. Hey, I I deserve to be confident. I deserve to believe in myself. And then each one of us supports one another and says, yeah, well bragged, you're awesome, right? I also every day will write what I'm grateful for. We need external validation sometimes. We do, yes. Well, it's right. And so there's the internal and there's the external. Here's the thing. I think we have to go live our purpose before we're confident. I've been doing this for eight years. I've spoken on stages internationally. I still sometimes, I'm like a little girl, like, oh, I'm a fraud, I'm, I'm a fake, <laughs> I can't do it. And that's why I have to do the, the journaling work every day. Beyond that, though, sometimes we need to go out and we need to, people talk about fake it until you make it. I prefer what Amy Cuddy said, which is fake it until you become it. <laughs> fake it until you become it. Yes, this was an Amy Cuddy that's term. Awesome. Yeah, and you're, you know, she, it's the end of her Todd talk and she was talking about a student of hers that she taught in a very competitive MBA program and that part of a grade was participation. And this woman, young woman, was not participating in class and she called her into her office. She said, you're going to fail. You're brilliant. You're going to fail because of participation. This woman said, I just feel like I'm stupid. I don't have anything to say or I forget exactly how she said it. And she said, you listen to me. Amy Cuddy said this to her student. You have amazing comments. You have so much within you. And you're going to show up tomorrow and you're going to give the best comment ever. And then you're going to show up the next day and you're going to have the best comment ever. And you're going to show up every day and you are going to give great comments and you are going to fake it until you become it. And I think that this is a piece of it. You know, it's like the other thing with it is if we come back to our bigger why, our purpose, and we say, this isn't about knowing that you are going to be the next Elton John or the next, you know, um, Shaquille O'Neal or the next Oprah. This is about that you have something bigger to share with the world. You have a message and people need you. And you're and unique. So, and you're unique. You're not Oprah. You're unique. What gifts right. you have, Oprah may not have it. And what she has, you may not have it. So 
we we keep comparing ourselves with those big yes. celebrities that they have it we don't have it they are they are, they are already there we are not yes. there and when i read stuff from anthony demello have you heard of anthony demello anthony demello i have not no Mm-mm. so he he was jesuit priest in 1980s he passed away in 1980s so he talks about awareness happiness attachments mm. we keep thinking about we are not there yet he he says where are you going everybody's an ass i'm an ass you are an ass <laughs> remove your attachments remove your labels mm. become mm. aware and when you remove your attachments labels your conditioning your beliefs then you discover your purpose and then you mm. discover who you are and then you are self aware and when you are self aware you don't have to work on the change mhm cuz mm-hmm. you are aware change automatically happens yeah yeah it's so beautiful you know i'll do a process with clients where i get super clear on who they are several areas of their life and then we'll we'll kind of categorize it into your strengths your your genius superpowers and this is who you are it's how you shine it's how you show up it's how you impact others with your character you might be dynamic or you might be really insightful or you might be introspective you might be caring and loving so there's your strengths and according to gallup there is a 1 in 33 million chance that someone has the exact same strengths as you So that really? right there says that you are unique. Yeah, and they have a strengths finder which I'll have clients take and that will be informative for us and then sometimes we just put it into our own language. The second piece are your talents. Now talents are what you do well. Often they end in ing, right? Like writing, coaching, singing, analyzing numbers, you know, data crunching, and we each have different talents. And so if you think about well how many people in the world have your exact strengths of character, how you show up, where you impact people just with yourself? in that small pool it. no but in that small pool how many are going to have your exact talents well almost none the third category then is what you love what you're passionate about what lights you up so different causes or different groups of people or different activities and hobbies so even fewer people will have your same strengths your same talents and your same passions and then the fourth piece that i really work with on someone is the wisdom that they have to share with the world what their life experiences have taught them and even if you take two biological twins they identical biological twins they've had different life experience each one of them so no one but no one has had your life experience so no one has the same wisdom that you do the same learning and when you put all that together i was working with one of my clients who came to me she was working in her father's company she was unhappy in her marriage and we did all this work to the clarity like you said the uncovering the everyone else's thoughts and expectations and beliefs and just get clear on who she is and when we looked at this chart that i put together for my clients of these things we she became so clear there is no one else like there's no no other me and clarity lies It, in stillness slowing yes. down taking pauses yes. meditating yes. going for nature walks yes and allowing yourself that curiosity about yourself and the journaling with it and she was applying to this particular woman was applying to law school is what we she really wanted to make a difference in people's lives that were underprivileged underrepresented and so she was applying to law school in her mid late 20s when the other people applying to law school were 22 and so she was feeling really down and self-doubting but when we did this chart of this clarity on who she is and what is unique about her she felt so alive and her essay and her application was off the charts incredible and owning yes i am older than the other students and that makes me awesome that makes me have ex- life experience and for her we ended up instead of going to law school even though she got in she also had the opportunity to become the state director of planned parenthood in alabama and that had been something along the way that we did, that was hugely important to her and she got that was a dream job and she got it having no experience because we did this work on knowing who she is how she's unique and her standing in that confidently now that doesn't mean she's confident in it every day because we all have that repetitive kind of self-doubting nasty voice that comes every back every time every day <laughs> every day and that's why every day coming back and doing the mindfulness work meditating every day doing journaling every day leaning in to people who love you and will tell you you're awesome every day doing the i'm proud of i'm grateful for every day do you ever feel that some moments you are on top of the world some moments nothing is happening what the oh. heck i'm doing nothing is going on <laughs> it's like you're reading my journal nishant this is every day of my life every moment are you kidding yes 
Yeah, I'll t- I mean, I just had this where, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I said I was the keynote speaker at Amazon's International Women's Day Conference. And I, I was on top of the world. Actually, coronavirus had just hit Seattle. And so the day before, they made it virtual. And when you're a speaker, at least for me, I feed off of an audience. So I ended up doing a presentation to an empty auditorium that was supposed to have 600 people, but everybody was at home. But I felt so keyed up and so alive. And I got hundreds of emails of people who responded. So I'm on top of the world. And then sometimes I'll trick myself in that moment to think I'm always, that's it. I'm never going to have a down again. And then a couple, and then a week later, right, coronavirus is like really spreading. And I was planning now to launch the last live teaching I'm going to do before going on maternity leave. And people have been really hesitant to sign up because of coronavirus and the economy. And then, then I'm like, oh my God, I'm a loser. No one wants to sign up. You know, so I can go from the top of the top until the bottom of the bottom. And that's why I med- that's my kind of personality. And so I need to meditate every day and get into that stillness to come into balance that it's all good. It's all okay. I yeah. am okay. And that's when, when we have a lot of self-doubts we get to tap into the gratitude, what we have in our lives instead of focusing on what we don't have. Mm, yes. And what kind of meditation do you do? Mm. So right now I do 10 minutes of silent meditation every day. I just set a timer and then, and typically even after the timer goes off, I'll stay for a couple of minutes and I will mix it up. So that's what I'm into right now. <laughs> Often what happens is I will do one thing for, I don't know, let's call it, three months or so, and then I'll need a shift. And so there are some times when my daily meditation is loving kindness meditation, love for me, love for people I love and love for the world at large. And sometimes I will do a dancing meditation. And so I may switch it up, but right now it's, it's silent every day and I'm finding I really need it. And uh, so meditation, do you have any specific time, morning, night, evening? Morning. Yeah, I wake up and the first thing I do when I'm still laying in bed is gratitude. So typically I will start with, I'm grateful for my bed. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I often don't want to get out of bed, right? And so I'm grateful for my bed and I'm grateful for my sheets and I'm grateful for my pillow. And then I will build up other gratitudes in my head. And then I'll, as I put my feet on the floor, my left foot goes down and I say thank and my right foot goes down and I say you. So it's just how I start my morning. And this is a spiritual practice mm. to, to incorporate in our daily lives when, when we are waking up instead mm-hmm. of saying, holy cow, I didn't sleep well or mm-hmm. I woke up on the right, wrong side of the bed. Being or, oh, I have to go to work today. Or yeah. Being grateful that I know it's not easy. Not every day is great. Being grateful that we woke up today and there is something to look forward to. Yes, yes. And it's grounding. And then it does set me, being pregnant, I'm not sleeping well right now. And I am getting up a lot in the middle of the night. And so my brain wants to go into the place of being groggy and, oh, I didn't sleep well. But because I have this habitual practice, I'm able then to come back into what is good and what is special. And I'm a different person. And then I, I go downstairs and I typically will... Um, have a glass of water and then sit on the couch and just set my timer for 10 minutes. And often it, it's not that my mind is, I don't know about you, Nishan, I'd love to hear from you. It's not that my mind is silent during those 10 minutes, but it's the noticing. And sometimes that doesn't happen until minute eight, right? But it's the noticing when my brain has gone all the way off and bringing it back. And then sometimes I'll use mantra to bring my brain back. And the so mantra- I, I prefer 20 minutes of meditation every day in the morning. When mm-hmm. I meditate, I feel better. If I don't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel better, but my awareness is not that critical at that point. So when I meditate, the mind wanders all over the place. I prefer silent mm-hmm. meditation. And in my silence, I keep saying this word, release, relaxation, kind of a transcendental meditation and breathing in and out. So mixing silent meditation with transcendental and silent breathing transcendental so it's a framework that i've created for myself and it works for me and mind keeps wandering here and there and then reminding myself that okay come to the present moment come to the Mm. present moment it's okay not in thoughts and sometimes i have Mm -hmm. gotten very creative ideas in Mm. my meditation and Mm. and i try to capture the thoughts on paper Mm. so that i don't forget that because Mm -hmm. for me i'm allowing my subconscious mind to work for me not because Mm. We are goal-driven and we keep focusing on the conscious mind 
and mm-hmm. not letting our subconscious mind to work for us. Yes. Yeah. And Do you fact, find? I found this trick today. Mm. Uh, this podcast. There are so many ways to promote podcasts. I was thinking, what if I can promote that on Craigslist? Mm. It just came to you in meditation. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, putting. I love that. Putting the podcast information on Craigslist, but it's, it may not be a safe place. But you know, all these tools they have safe side you know we can mm-hmm. promote that from there and it's not just for the promotion it's for creating sharing and motivation yes. you know, that purpose more and more people will come to the channel and we'll see They'll it and we'll hear it through craigslist you know i love that craigslist. <laughs> craigslist through your meditation i i love it i had a similar experience i w- was building a course i knew i needed to do the course i heard the words the name of this course it's, it's actually the one i'm doing now goddess on purpose i heard it so clearly that's the name but I didn't know what the course was going to be. <laughs> and I was coming up to the wire of when I really needed to have it hammered down. And it was in meditation when I was trying to think, okay, what, what is module one going to be? What is module two going to be? What do they need to like do? It was, I was, it, it was nothing. I was coming up blank or anything I was coming up with prescription. It was like prescripted from science. It, it was like what someone had told me to do instead of what was really mine. And then when I could really just quiet my mind and just be, and my favorite prayer is two words. It's show me, show me, show me. It just flew from me. It was like, and like the whole thing, and it just so beautiful. And I was like, whoa. So if we can quiet that overactive, fear-induced, self-doubting mind, we can access, like you said, that subconscious. And that is where our purpose lies. Not overthinking, not mm-hmm. trying to force thinking. And this is natural. I think we human beings are natural. We operate in survival mode. And then when we can cultivate some happiness and gratitude, we can become something else that we don't know about it. Exactly. What other books have impacted you in your life? Mm. If something comes so to your many. mind. So many. (laughs) I absolutely have my favorites. The first was Eat, Pray, Love. It was, it came out when I was newly divorced and young and... Who's the author? uh, Liz Gilbert. Oh. And there was a movie about it. And and, in today's world, a lot of people know the movie, but it was a book. I don't know how many years ago, 12, 15, 20 years ago. And her stories were so similar. And she had also done the perfect marriage and also felt unhappy. And then she went on a year-long journey, three months in Italy, three months in India, and three months in Indonesia. And that story, and I was an aspiring author and wanting to empower people and not knowing how. And it was like my Bible for a while. It just said to me, you are free to create your own path. And it was so powerful and impactful for me to have someone model that in a way I had not ever seen. So that was one Another book that has had a huge impact on me is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And she, of course, is known for her, her work on vulnerability and shame and being someone who is a recovering perfectionist. She really taught me to love and have compassion for the places where I feel shame and to bring them out in connection and conversation and community because, she, as she says, shame can't. Shame likes to hide in dark places, but once you start talking about it, it lessens it. And so that was a book that was huge for me. Dark Side of the Light Chasers by Debbie Ford is a book about that wholeness. Like you were saying, we have we make mistakes and accepting those and we have darkness and accepting that. And that was a huge book for me about that. And uh, my book, uh, that the book that I think is so motivational, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero is one I probably read every year, every other year, because it'll just give me a good kick in the butt that I can do this, I can do anything, I can fly. So those are some of my go-tos. And then a more recent one, uh, I guess a few years ago now, maybe five, four, Liz Gilbert wrote a book, Big Magic, about being creative in the world. That's had a huge impact. Anna Quinlan's Short Guide to a Happy Life is a very short book and just nails happiness, in my opinion. Um, and right now I'm reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and it is the best book I have read in years. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We, we all have some stories. Yeah. Everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Whoever is alive, whoever has passed, we get to share our stories. Because mm-hmm. when we share our story, we become the author of our own life. This is coming from Brene Brown. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's the tr- and it, that's the truth, right? I mean, so... 
we, and that's really purpose, right? That's when I was explaining kind of the four pieces of, of my purpose girl. Purpose matrix, this ex, your life, how your life experiences, what wisdom they give you, and what courage and strength, that is a huge piece of purpose. And then when I talk about pain to purpose, it's taking that story of your life and knowing that you sharing it, even with one person, is making a difference. Exactly. And my last question to you is, Karen, where people can find you online? Oh, thank you for asking. So you can go to PurposeGirl.com, PurposeGirl.com. And there you can find a link to my podcast. Uh, My podcast is called The Purpose Girl Podcast. And it's all about the science of women's happiness and women's purpose. And I'm super honored that it's been ranked top 20 in self-help and mental health in 30 countries. So it is women focused. Men can, will absolutely learn from the tools. Happiness is same, doesn't matter. (laughs) No, but I'll I'll do topics that are, you know, I might do topics specifically on women's bodies or fertility or things like that. So um, men feel free to leave those topics and pick other topics. (laughs) Of course. Yes. You know, kind of sort through it, but you can find kind of the hub for everything is purpose girl dot com and that's how you can connect with me on social media or you know anywhere um, and then on Facebook I'll just share anyone you know listening to this I have a purpose girls that's one word Facebook group where every day I post something a motivational I will put question. the details in the show notes perfect so lots of places but purpose girl is it yeah all right thank you so much Karen Rock. kind thank you Nishan it's been great I appreciate great. you thank you for listening to this podcast with Karen Rockhind. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned from this episode that you can apply in your life. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to the podcast, The Nishan Gurk Show on Apple Podcasts and leave reviews. Also, you can make an impact in someone else's life by sharing this podcast. When you share this, you can transform someone else's life. I'm so grateful for having Karen on this podcast and share her message with the world so please spread the message everywhere to help some people discover their purpose and life dalai lama said people take different roads seeking fulfillment and happiness just because they are not on your road doesn't mean they have gotten lost <laughs>